All right, Psalm 95. It's in the middle of your Bibles. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, that's all in the middle of the Bible. It's called the wisdom literature. And if you're joining us for the first time today, we're on the last of a series looking at the Sabbath. The fourth commandment, which is remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days do all your work. On the seventh, it's the Sabbath to the Lord. Don't work. Relax. Worship. Delight. Psalm 95. We're going to come back to this in a few, in a few minutes. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. So where, where is he when he's saying this? Think about that. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And we've been doing that. For the Lord is a great, the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. The flock under his care. That's the first half of the psalm. It's talking about being people who submit and trust God. You know what it means to bow down? If you, if you're, if you can do it, Lean forward on the edge of your chair and put a knee on the ground. Okay? Just try it if, if you're comfortable. What does it feel like to be down on your knee? This is a, this is a position of submission. You know, I'm, I'm lowering myself. I'm vulnerable because I'm not the great, but God's the great authority. Right? Let's worship and bow down. I trust you, God. I trust you. And the second half of the psalm is all about people who don't trust God. Okay, let's read that. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah and as you did on the day at Massah in the desert. Meribah and Massah were the two places um, that uh, Israel complained about water. You know, they had been led through the Red Sea and got this miracle of, of breaking water up, right? So they could walk through the Red Sea. Now they're in the desert and they go, oh, there's no water. Who can help us? can't think of anybody that's Meribah and Masa uh, Meribah means um, yeah, what does it mean again quarreling yeah and Masa means testing so where your fathers tested and tried me though they had seen what I did the Red Sea for 40 years I was angry with that generation they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of it I said, there are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. They'll never enter my rest. The writer of Hebrews uh, picks up on this psalm, actually quotes the whole psalm in the book of Hebrews and says there's still a rest coming for the people of God. We can still enter his rest. I'm going to talk about that today. By the way, um, uh, on the screen, on your, your page, if you're taking notes, it's blank, right? Because um, I had a lot of things going on, and I didn't make the sermon until after the bulletin was made. So, I mean, I didn't finish. 
So you're going to see my points up there, but you can see the whole thing. There won't be any fill-in. You can write down whatever the Spirit moves you to remember or to want to. Okay, as I've said before, um, we're wrapping up. This is the seventh week in our study of the Sabbath commandment. God's principle of rest. Set aside 24 hours in every week, every seven days, to stop, to love God, and to delight in everything good. And that principle extends to the daily life as well, learning to slow down, to make space for God and His refreshment in your life every day. As we saw, look at the manna in the desert. We're going to talk about that again in a little bit. Now, um, last year, when I applied for the sabbatical grant from the Lilly Foundation, they asked us to answer a central question. And that was this question. What would make your heart sing? So basically, they invited us to make a case for what we would do with three months off to seek refreshment for our soul, body, motions, and mind, the four tanks that we talked about last week in, in a person, right? Now, obviously, this whole series has, has been urging us to pay attention to stopping, to Sabbath, sabbatical, right? Taking a day off in the week to rest and delight. And as soon as the topic comes up, um, people want to know, inevitably, they ask, what, okay, so what should we do when we're stopping? What should we do on the Sabbath? On this festive day of rest, as the catechism calls it, calls it a festive day of rest. Is, is, is your Sabbath a festive day? I can think of a few times when I was a kid, it was not so festive. So to answer the question of what to do on the Sabbath, you need to answer the question of the title of my message today, which is, what would make your heart sing? That's what you do with your Sabbath. What would make your heart sing? A lot of folks think that religion is about making God happy, you know, um, keeping His laws, keeping His commandments, uh, or else he'll get mad, you know. But this is not the character of God. This is not the character of God at all. It's not what Christianity is all about. Let me just tell you something. God is already supremely happy, all right? Uh, he, he has everything in himself. He could not be happier. The little failures that you and I do down here on this earth do not blow clouds over his day, okay? He is fine without us. The, scripture, the, the sacred scriptures tell us that he is the the overflow of love and joy. He's a supreme commander, but not because he needs people to command. Now, he will not be any better off if we obey him. However, we will be. So when God gives us the commands to to repent and, and to love and to follow him, he's sharing with us the wisdom for the, the best ways to live and the best ways to exist. Not just here, but in eternity as well. All of which is to say this, that the fourth commandment to celebrate a weekly day of rest in honor of God is not for God's benefit, but for yours. Now, I know I've said this before in this series, but I want to remind you of that. God will still be the maker. God will still be the creator. God will still be the sustainer of the universe. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Whether you believe him or I believe in him or not. Okay, it's not going to change anything. But your best life your salvation, well, that will come when you do recognize who He is. 
I want you to read with me a verse. And uh, is it just me? But I feel like I'm really, really echoing. It, it's just me then. Okay. All right. It must be that Satan thing, you know. Or maybe I'm getting sick. All right. Let's read this verse from uh, Proverbs uh, 37. Ready? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. Okay, so you see what he's saying? Delight in God and he'll take care of all the rest of it. It's like Jesus said in, in Matthew six thirty three, Seek first the kingdom and all the rest of this stuff will be added. Start here. Now I want to take a quick walk through Psalm 95. Uh, so if your Bible is open on your lap, just follow along with me. Come, let us sing for joy. So what's the context? The context, they're, they're, in, they're going to church. Okay? They're going to the temple. They're going to go worship. Verse 2. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. We're looking for joy here. We're looking for meaning, for purpose, right? It's hard to be down. It's hard to be depressed and thankful at the same time. You want to conquer gloominess? One of the best things you can do is sit down, make a list of everything you're thankful for, and keep thanking God for it. Verse 3. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. So now here, God's size, right, reminds us how minuscule are the things that we obsess over. You know, we obsess over things day in and day out, and, and all of it is so small in comparison to God. God holds in his hands the Mariana Trench in the depths of the ocean. God holds in his hands Mount Kilimanjaro, right? The mountains are his. The mountain peaks are his. The depths of the earth are his. The sea is his. The earth to God is but a sandbox. And verse 6 repeats the invitation to come and worship. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel. And then verse 7 gives us a reason. For or because he's our God. And we're his people. We're his, the people of his pasture, i.e. we're sheep. We're his sheep. He's our, past, our pastor. This huge person. This huge person who can hold a mountain in his hand, metaphorically. That's how big God is, far bigger than that. Also pays attention to you and me. Us. We're his. So God's deep desire is that your heart, my heart, will sing when we know about his love and his goodness. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Verse 1. So people ask, okay, this whole Sabbath thing, what can we or can we not do on a Sunday that would fit with being like God, having a Sabbath? And the answer is simple. If it's fitting with God's word and it refreshes you, it's all spiritual, go for it. 
If it's fitting with God's word and it refreshes you, it's all spiritual. Go for it. Let me throw around a few thoughts to get us thinking. I told you last week about four tanks that we have, um, ways of looking at human uh, need uh, that need to be filled so that we are full enough to overflow with love for other people and love for the world like God does. Give you, I told you I'd give you some ideas for how to fill those tanks this week. That's what I want to do right now. So uh, let's start with the spiritual tank, filling our spiritual tank. I probably should have done this one last. But that just occurred to me just now, so it's too late. How should we use our Sabbath to restore our soul? To let some generations tell it, uh, the Sabbath was pretty much for nothing but Bible study and long prayers and recitations of creeds that you never otherwise think about at all and singing and possibly a nature documentary on TV. If something was fun, I know a lot of people who, who think of it this way, if something was fun, it must be wrong. There's a little boy standing on a church bench that I heard about. He was cooing at the kids and the people behind him in the next row. And his mother grabbed him and turned him around and sat him down and said, Stop smiling, you're in church. (laughs) Did you ever experience that atmosphere in a church? I have. Honestly, you wonder how followers of the biblical God could ever arrive at such conclusions as those. But then sin is easy, right? And the devil is crafty. And a lot of times, a lot of times, you and I find ourselves wholly disagreeing with what God says. You know, full affirmation of things completely opposite of what heaven advises. So I guess we can't be angry with our ancestors. But let's learn from their mistakes. Let's put it like this. Delight yourself within the limits of God. Now, last week we saw um, the surest and quickest way to hear from God or to hear from heaven is through reading his word and for, through talking to him and listening, word and prayer. But don't just grab a devotional on Sunday uh, so you can read a page and say you did it, okay? Because that's really not what we're talking about. When you celebrate uh, Sabbath, you're looking for God. Go looking for God. That's what you want to do. If the devotional helps you look for God, great. If it doesn't, don't read it. Read something else. Read, open your Bible. And, and as you read a passage, go looking for God. God, what do you want to say to me? What do you have for me in this? Ask the Holy Spirit to direct you to a place in the Bible that, that He wants you to read. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just said, God, what should I read in the Bible? I've done this thousands of times. On the way to the hospital to visit somebody, God, what shall I read to Mary? And I, and I wait for God to tell me. Sitting in, in, uh, in the woods, meditating, God, what shall I read from the Bible? Try it. The more you look, the more you'll hear. Go on a prayer walk. Pour out your soul to God. Tell Him what you long for. Tell Him what you're afraid of. Tell Him... Tell them what you're thinking. Then stop talking and wait for him to talk to you. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Um, Here's an idea. If you try these kind of things and you don't hear anything, I have a suggestion. Suppose an answer to your own question. Okay? So like, you say, God, what do you want me to read? 
and you don't hear anything, you don't feel any prodding. So you say, well, if I were God, and from what I know from the Bible, what might God tell me to read? Oh, I do know that one chapter in John 3 is really good. Maybe I should read that. So maybe God's telling me to read John 3. I'll suppose he is. I'll go read John 3. So now you're trying to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The more you do this, the more you will hear from the Holy Spirit. And he'll direct you. What might God say to my question? Well, what does the Bible say to my question? Let me go dig into it and find out. Look it up in a concordance of a topic that you're thinking about and start reading. Now remember that different things refresh different people, different souls in different ways. And you probably know uh, that for me, music is a refreshment, right? Maybe for you, music is not restorative, but, but for me it is. And, and I personally live in, in awe of finally cracked music. When I'm trying to restore my soul... Music is a great way to do it. And it has to be music about the beauties of what I believe. So I'll give you an example. I'm a fan of Boston. Anyone know Boston? Okay, guitar choirs. It's just, it's awesome. Not the city, the the band. Uh, I I have their greatest hits and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, And sometimes I listen to it, you know, for over and over and over three or four times and I, and I really like it it's, it's so cool but I gotta tell you I have never listened to Boston and walked away feeling refreshed in my soul I was amazed I enjoyed it but it didn't do anything here it doesn't do anything here because they don't talk about things that touch my soul but if I hear if I listen to Chris Tomlin or Joel Houston or you know Hillsong people who write most of the songs we sing around here those things touch me right here and my soul is different. Boston can't do it. I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen for me. So here's my point. Seek what refreshes your soul and enjoy it. And I can tell you right now, it's going to have something to do with your loving creator. It's going to have something to do with that because that's what touches your soul. Jesus is the one who said, come to me and you will find rest for your soul. Right? This is why I said I should have talked about this at the end because we're going to come back to this. Paul writes, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. What's that? I would say it's your soul. So that Christ may dwell in your heart. That's the inner being place, right? Through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ. To know this love. That's, that's more than knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled, filled back up with the measure of the fullness of God. This, that, that's restoration, right? That's what Paul's saying. God can, can fill you on the inside. So go looking for God on your Sabbath. Okay, that's the spiritual tank. All right. And I gave you some ideas about that. We talked about that a little bit before. Let's talk about the physical tank. How can we restore our physical tank? It's strange. The physical tank can be refreshed both by rest and by exertion. Isn't that? It's kind of paradoxical, right? But both by exercise and by rest. And we talked last week about how sleep is, is good for you spiritually. So if you have a manual job where you're moving and, 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 and active all the time, taking a nap on the Sabbath might be just a thing to restore you. And you just might go like, whoa, God is great. I get to take a nap, which I never get to do. You know? 
But if you're stuck inside all week, that probably won't cut it. And maybe a walk in the woods or a long river will do your body good. I could tell you this. When I was a kid, if you had made me be quiet and, and take a nap on Sunday, I would have hated Sunday, even though I love God. And frankly, it happened more than once. One really great way to fill your tank on the Sabbath is to play. Yes, you heard it here. To play. What? This actually overflows, uh, you know, on the mental tank and the emotional tank as well. There's not always a distinction, right? When you play, you are... You, you can restore mentally, emotionally, and physically. Mark Buchanan writes that, that sometimes we do things just for the sake of doing them. There's no particular usefulness in them. They don't need to be done. Nobody's waiting for, that, for it to happen or insisting that it happens. And that's what play is. Okay? How is it that Christians down through the years have... have so often emptied the Sabbath of play. I'm take an take example. Like a little girl in a, in a sandbox or a little boy in a sandbox, right? Uh, she's, not, she's not accomplishing anything. She's not altering the course of the universe. She's not producing anything helpful to humanity. She's just relaxing. She's imagining. She's creating. We could learn from that. Right? Adults, when, when we become adults, what are we? We're all about what? Getting things done, fulfilling obligations, making good use of our time. Right? And Sabbath isn't for that. The Sabbath isn't for making good use of your time. Spend some of your time in sheer, unapologetic uselessness. Okay? That's rest. There's refreshment in that. Now, if you're too out of practice because you haven't played for a long, long time, I would suggest that you start slowly so that you don't have a heart attack. You know, try a card game, you know, or, or, or candy land with your kids or see if you can swing as high as they can on, on the swings at, at the park. Read a comic book or something. Some folks like to ride a bike. You know, you see those people, right? You're, go, you're out in the country and you see people like way out in the middle of nowhere on a bike. Like, like, like what are they doing out here? You know, for them... Biking is restorative. It's exercise. It's peaceful. They like it. For some of us, biking is kind of like eating lima beans. I mean, you do it because it's good for you. But it's certainly not because you want to. All right. You do what would be Sabbath and restorative for you. Okay, that's an, those are some examples for your physical tank. Let's talk about the emotional tank. Filling your emotional tank. As I said before, there's a lot of overlap on these tanks, so don't make too much of trying to, 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 to distinguish them all all the time. You know, some, some things you do can refresh all the tanks. The point is that God has uh, designed this wide gamut of ways in which His creatures delight and are refreshed. It won't be the same for you and as it is for me. Your love languages are not the same as my love languages. If you don't know about that, read Gary Chapman's book. It's really good. Everyone has different kinds of love languages. I don't have time to talk about that right now. The point is that God has made us like this. He did not intend for us to drag ourselves along through life. Listen to a few things that Jesus said. 
I came so that you would have life to the full. That's what Jesus said. Some Christians look like they've never heard that. Are you one of those Christians who looks like that? Jesus said, I tell you these things in John 15 so that your joy may be full. This is what Jesus wants. What God intends for you is joy and joy is perhaps the primary fuel of the emotional tank. Okay, perhaps the, the primary fuel. What brings you joy? Time with the family and friends can certainly fill you with joy depending on who your family and friends are. Time with the, um, at the zoo with your grandchildren scurrying around in utter amazement at all that God has created and their joy just watching them. That could be, that could be enough joy to make it last for a week. And for others, it's, it's going to be letting grandpa and grandma take the kids to the zoo or anywhere. You know, that would be utter joy. Some of the men in the room are probably wondering if I would recommend golfing on Sunday. Shall we talk about that? The first thing I would say is consult the Holy Spirit for advice. God, what do you think? And he may have you ponder whether or not um, you're, you're being taken away from your family uh, or who rarely sees you, perhaps. I don't know. It depends on your circumstance. Or he may have you ponder if, like some golfers, you come home angry. You know? That doesn't sound so sabbatical to me. If these are the case, you probably don't want to go golf. If you can't afford it, if it's not a financially responsible for you to do it, then maybe the answer would be no. If you golf six days a week, maybe the Sabbath would be the day not to. <laughs> okay, if, if those things aren't the case and it is refreshing for you, then it would be a great thing to do on the Sabbath. Let's talk about shopping. Well, consult the Holy Spirit. Is it financially responsible what you're, you're doing? Is it a regular task that you're having to get done and you allotted it on, on, on Sunday? Or is it an excursion just for the fun of it? That's very different. Okay? Window shopping through the mall and going grocery shopping for your list because you have to get Those are very different things. I'd classify the, the, the one that you have to do as work and I'd avoid it. But if walking through the mall or walking through the grocery store and, and gazing at all the millions of beautiful things that God has made for us to eat is so amazing, it just drives me crazy with happiness. Well, then I'd say go grocery shopping on Sunday. <laughs> Anything that's work instead of refreshing, that's what you want to rest from. Does it make your heart sing? Does it make your heart sing? Then it's, then it's fitting for a festive day of rest. So on your, on your Sabbath, pay attention to what um, also what drains your emotional tank and avoid the things that drain your emotional tank. Things like the news. Man, the news is draining for me. I, I should not read the news. I actually read an article in World Magazine this past week, this very past week, in which the guy said, um, he's a news reporter, uh, maybe I shouldn't read news on the Sabbath. There's a whole article about it. Well, that's a kind of a God thing, isn't it? The news largely focuses on who's been shot and what law has been broken and how bad the weather's going to be. 
So be discreet about your entertainment. Be discreet about your news. Be discreet about your technology. You know, uh, Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is, uh, what, uh, lovely, whatever is noble, pure, just, honorable, think of these things, right? These things bring rejoicing, which he says later. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I will say rejoice. The same passage. Philippians 4. It might be a good idea for us to unplug all media on a Sunday. Maybe turn your phone off. Maybe avoid all screens. Could be a spiritual exercise. Okay, emotional tank. Uh, let's talk about a few things that fill a mental tank, and then um, let's, let's put it all together. As to why, why should we think about this at all? What about filling your mental tank? Do you know that a lot of Christian students um, never practice Sabbath? You probably know this, right? A lot of Christian students save their homework for Sunday. Does that sound like a rest to you? I think this is a, it's a huge thing to think about. I, highly, I do not recommend it. What kind of festive day is it that it's now it's my homework day? God meant the Sabbath to be something that we looked forward to. Now that doesn't mean that learning or even reading is anti-Sabbath. I'm not saying that. Um, Marva Don in one of her books about this topic says that intellectual rest is aided by things that move us into new creative paths of thinking, like reading stories and fairy tales and so forth. I first read the Born Identity trilogy. You know what I'm talking about? Born? You've seen the movies, right? I read the trilogy 35 years ago uh, in seminary when my professor said, uh, Randy, sometimes you need to read something purely for the enjoyment, not because you're going to learn something. You should read The Born Identity. So I read it. Robert Ludlum, right? And I, and I read all the other ones too. And yet, By the way, the books are a lot better than the movies. They always are. And it was, it was purely restorative. It was just fun. You know, I didn't have to write a paper on it. Some folks find the challenge of trying a new recipe or making a new recipe adventurous, stimulating uh, for their mind, maybe emotional tank as well. For them, baking would be a great thing to do. It would not be a great thing for me to do. That probably won't happen. So, okay, let's conclude. I've thrown out some things to, to get your mind thinking about what is restorative for you in different ways uh, depending on how God made you and what fits with God's, with God's word. And this whole series has, we call it Stop the World I Want to Get Off because it seems like sometimes the world is spinning and going and, and you wonder, what's it all about? I'm so sick of this. Where is this going? I just want to get off this crazy ride. And when you have to realize that you are a beautiful complexity of a creation that needs to be filled. What shall we say? What, what shall we put there? What should we put in that empty spot? And if you go home and you say to your, and, and your kids say, or someone, let's just say someone was sick and they said, hey, well, what, was the, what did the preacher talk about today? Don't just go home and say, oh, he said that you should read and, and, and go for walks. Because, because that's not it. If that's all it is, you will have missed the point. The point is, make space in you, in your life, for God. 
Make space for God. Jesus invited, come to me and I will give you rest. St. Augustine observed, inside of every man is this God-shaped vacuum. It's just, it's, it's sucking. And we're longing, and what we're longing for is God. We're longing for our Savior. Martin Luther summed it up. He said, put God in there. He said, follow God and then do what you want. And you think to yourself, oh, that's kind of scary. It's actually good theology. What will you want if you're following God? Isaiah 58. I love how this how the message translation puts it. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Okay, so that brings us that brings us to the Lord's Supper, which we're going to celebrate.